Well, our guest preacher tonight, we booked to be his last service before he flew out to Argentina. We're going to have this blessing service and just send him off, even though we're not the sending church. We used to be his uh, church. And um, so he's not leaving. But I didn't want to counsel his preaching. And we're not going to have a blessing service. We're not going to have a big offering. We're just going to have a medium offering. And then when he, leave, when he finally leaves, we'll have a big offering. Amen. But um, I want you to encourage him, not by that introduction, but I want you to encourage him by smiling, nodding your head, amening, or at least look interested. Amen. And uh, thank God for Brother Stephen. I've seen him really mature and grow. And I thank God that he is wise enough to follow the will of God. That's very important. And uh, I know he's often wondered uh, what's next. And they just canceled his flight because of a virus in UK. Now figure that one out. Amen. I, ain't, I can't figure that out. But I think it's a strand that's reoccurring or something. I don't know. So they closed all of South America practically. And so he's delayed. But I want to preach a message on divine delays. There is a reason. Amen. And what a good prayer letter to encourage Brother Stephen and Miss Ashley and the boys. Amen. And I appreciate this family. It's not easy traveling around and saying, hey, God's changed our field. And some preachers just look for an opportunity to drop a missionary. And they are staying by the stuff. And they're following the will of God. And I love and appreciate Brother Stephen so much. He's like a son to me. And that uh, I was his coach when he was a little kid. And uh, he came to church so he could play in a game. Because I told him, I said, y'all, just forget it. If you don't come to church, you ain't playing. And uh, I really did. And uh, so I bribed him. And uh, thank God he got right with God. And his wife got saved in Seven Day Adventist. Seven Day Adventist? Okay. Seven Day Adventist. Got saved in the, uh, my study. And uh, here they are, doing something for God. So you pray for them, back them up. A few amens would be appreciated. Come on, Brother Stephen, make yourself at home, because this is your second home. Amen? God bless you, brother. Amen. Well, I am excited to be back with you guys. And I tell you, it's, uh, it's really exciting when you can just relax and be with your home church. Uh, even if you have two home churches, I was with our other home church this morning. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we spend more time with you guys than we do them, so <laughs> I don't know how you explain that one. But uh, here's a little plug for the FBI. You know, my wife uh, started going through that when we got to South Africa, and she went from, uh, you know, being here and then Sunday school and in uh, every church service to deputation where we were traveling around the United States, and she heard the same three messages for two years. Uh, and so... You know, she probably didn't grow as much as a lot of people that have been in it for several years. But uh, she got plugged into the Faith Bible Institute, and I'll tell you, the, the stuff that they were covering, she would be studying for the tests and things like that, and I'd be like, all right, ask me some of the questions. About three questions into it, I was like, all right, stop. <laughs> so they, she really uh, had a, not, she's one of my commentaries now. Uh, as a matter of fact, if this message tonight is terrible, well, you can blame her because she wrote it. Now, it is going to be very unique tonight, and I'm just amazed at so far how the entire service has really uh, complemented what we're going to look at this evening, uh, from the song, from the quartet, uh, to the prayer letter and everything. And if I were to give this message a title, it would simply be, Why? Why? You know, I, I don't have a problem answering questions. Uh, when we travel around to different churches, we often have 
times of Q&A where we'll get questions from the floor from folks in the churches and they'll ask us, you know, it, it ranges from what do you have, what do you eat there on the field to, uh, you know, how many hairs are on your dog and all of this other stuff. Uh, and, you know, I don't have problems answering some of those questions. One is, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? And, of course, going to a new field, it, it'd be very similar to exactly what we did in South Africa. We'll plug into language school. We'll start ministering in a church uh, that uh, Patrick Henry has started several years ago and working alongside them as we get a hold of the language. And then after we finish language school, it'll be our intent to go and start a church Uh, During that time of language school, we'll try to survey different cities and find out where the Lord wants us to go to start that church. And so for that first term, that's really what that's going to look like. You know, that's an easy question to answer. Another question is often, you know, uh, how do you accomplish what you want to accomplish on the mission field? And uh, that's another one I love because we get to talk about what we're passionate about. And that's how Jesus Christ went to the ordinary men. He didn't go to the elite. He didn't go to politicians. He didn't go to the wealthy. He went to the tax collectors. He went to the fishermen. And he said, listen, if you'll follow me, then I'll make you fishers of men. He said, I'm going to take you from this process where uh, you're, you're uh, uh, saying things you ought not say and you got a filthy mouth to where you're preaching the gospel and you're going to go and do greater miracles than I'm doing in my earthly ministry Uh, here with you and there's going to come a day where you're going to stand and you're going to preach to the multitudes and you're going to see the hand of God change lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ and so we take that model that he set for us and we invest our lives into some young men that they get saved and they follow in believers baptism and we start training them from Genesis to Revelation everything that we possibly can and then we send them out to continue to preach the gospel to others And so the how, that's not a difficult question for us to answer. Let me tell you the hard questions for us to answer. It's the same question that's difficult for you to answer. Is why. Why anything? Why do we pack our family up, leave everything that we're familiar to here, to go to another country to preach the gospel? Why... Do we have to say goodnight to loved ones? Why does the doctor give us news that we're now diagnosed with cancer? I was talking with a friend of mine recently. He, his wife had had a, a, a back surgery and uh, they botched the surgery. They put some, um, some screws and, and equipment in her back and they fused the spine together and it started to poison her back. And so she was just living with this agony. And uh, they go to see this specialist down in Atlanta. He's the same surgeon that works on all of the, the Falcons players when they have surgery. And, and, and this, he's just world-renowned to be this great surgeon. And they go and see her, and they, 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 they see her two or three times, and she finally goes up to see if she can have this surgery to correct what the other doctor did. And they tell her, they say, listen... There's nothing that we can do. If we try to do surgery and correct it, it will kill you. And so they left and they're discouraged, they're heartbroken, because essentially what the doctor looked at her and said was, you will have to live with this pain for the rest of your life. Why? And tonight I want to try to help us. We may not have the answer that we want, 
to the why questions, but maybe it can help us to understand why things like this happen in our life. Go with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to look at three verses. We're actually going to preach from Genesis to Revelation tonight, so y'all hold on tight. Three, three verses. You ready? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Can I remind you tonight that the very God of heaven that you and I serve, He's the one that spoke and it was so. Everything that you see, everything that is familiar to you, everything that you can touch, that you can see in, in, in this world right now as it is, God spoke and it was there. So everything that we experience and everything that we, we live through and we can see with our eyes and feel with our hands, everything that we can taste with our mouth, He created it. He is in charge. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about how uh, that those that, 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 uh, uh, those that, that uh, do not have the gospel, they're still without excuse because God has in creation revealed himself to them. And they go through this progression to where the creation begins to worship the creation. It's very similar to the day that you and I are living in today. Instead of uh, worshiping the creator, we are now worshiping the creature. And that's why uh, life in the womb is something that, that most would just dismiss as something that's not important and it's not real is because the creature is now worshiping the creature instead of the creator. And then he, he goes on to say that, uh, that the, the reason that we have the mentality that sin is just run rampant in the world today is because we have remove the authority of God as the creator of everything that we have today. But according to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then go with me, if you will, over to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. So not only did God speak this world into existence, He is the Creator, but according to Matthew chapter 28, as we fast forward several thousand years, Jesus has, uh, has died, He's buried, He's risen again. The same power by which He laid His life down is the same power that He picked it back up again. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He says to the churches before He ascends, to heaven, he says, all power, all authority, as the creator, as the one that was there, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, by that authority, by that power, go ye therefore. Amen. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And we're going to look at the last verse, you ready? Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were 
created. Can I give you the answer to the whys of the questions that we have? Because God created all of this. That means He's in charge. He has all authority to dictate our lives. When He said to go, our job as the creature, the creation, is to simply obey. And tonight is He not worthy. You see, it started in the garden when He created Adam and Eve. He created man in this perfect uh, uh, harmony with Him. Uh, He created man without sin. And there He commissioned Him. He gave Him charge uh, over all the living things in the garden. He told Him to keep it. He he gave Him charge over the animals. He told Him to uh, uh, produce and to... to, um, um, populate the earth, and he gave him this task. He said, there's one thing. He said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest thou will surely die. And so man created in this perfect harmony, walking with God, a relationship with him, because he messed it up, we now have all of the problems that we face today. Can I tell you why we have to deal with sickness? Can I tell you why we have to deal with trials and struggles? Can I tell you why things seemingly don't go our way? Can I tell you why the country and the world right now is in such turmoil? Because by one man, sin entered in the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all have sinned. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no not one. There's none that doeth good. Your righteousness, the greatest thing that you can do with your life, your righteousness, your good works, they're as filthy rags in the sight of God. You see, we were created in perfect harmony with God, a relationship with Him, but we messed it up. But can I tell you the promise that God had for them? He told them that they would surely die. And the devil twisted what God had said, and he said, you you won't surely die. And so man messes it up. But God, He promised them that he, that they would surely die. But you know what? The grace of God shines through in that story because He comes to woman and He says, Hey, out of you, here's my promise. There's going to come a promised Messiah. And I am going to provide Him. That lamb slain before the foundation of the world will come from your womb. And I will redeem you unto Myself. And from Genesis to Revelation, we see the beautiful story of redemption of Jesus Christ being promised to, the, uh, uh, to come through the lineage of Israel from the tribe of Judah, from the seed of David. And all throughout the Scripture, we see God's unfolding plan to redeem us to Himself. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we fast forward a few generations and the earth is wicked and, and vile and uh, He... he, he Uh, finds this righteous man named Noah and he gives him this crazy idea to build this big boat in the middle of the desert. And for 128 years he he labors and and he's he's, uh, trusting that God said exactly what he was going to do which was going to flood the earth but out of that he saved seven. 
And they come off the ark and, and they replenish the earth and there's generations that are born and, and generations that die. But they're holding on to the promise that God made to Adam and he made to Eve that one day out of your seed, out of your mess, there's going to be this beautiful Savior that's going to redeem you to the Creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All authority is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. Not only is He the Creator, and this all belongs to Him, but He has complete control. Because the power, the authority, it is His right to say go and we obey. And tonight is He not worthy? He's the one that can take the mess that we are and He can work it to our good. He's the one that takes the, the, the mess that we are, the, the, the worst thing that you can imagine, and He turns it out to work for our good. And are we not so undeserving? You understand that tonight that we didn't do anything to merit this goodness from God. There's absolutely nothing that you and I did. We weren't born into the right family. We weren't, uh, we weren't given this great uh, uh, grace because of how good we are or how good looking we are or how much money we have. We were given this grace because we serve a God who created all things. He has all authority to dictate how, it's, how it goes. And He tonight alone is worthy of our praise. Regardless of what we face, regardless of the why questions that you and I have, He is worthy. One of the things that I struggle with when we go through hardships, when we have to pack and unpack and write letters to tell all of our supporting churches that we were going and now we're not going and we don't know when we're going, one of the things that I struggle with is in every one of the churches that we come to, you realize that there's different expectations of what they are looking for in missionaries. I'm going to be very transparent with you. We go to some churches and they, they tell you, they say, hey, your kids can just be kids, just relax, let them run around, have fun. And then they, they have a good time and then we go to the next church and if they're not sitting exactly in the pew, uh, in line from uh, by order of age and hair color and eye color, and if their Bibles aren't open to the exact text and they're not looking straight ahead, and we don't snatch them up and discipline them right then and there, then it's it's over. We've lost support, and the expectations are completely different everywhere that we go. And w- what we tend to do is we then put expectations on others that they can't even live up to, that you can't live up to yourself. And everything that you do is under a microscope. And I got to thinking about this. You realize it's no different with you you guys either. You have a boss at work and he has expectations of you. And then you might have another supervisor in a different department and he has an expectation of you. And then you come home to your spouse and they have a completely other list of expectations of you. You realize that regardless of where you are, there are expectations on you and you're not going to meet any of them. So leave here with that. Be comforted. (laughs) You know, there's sometimes, there's sometimes we just have to look at everyone and say, I don't know. 
Why do we go through hard? You know what? I don't know why we go through this. Why are we having to shut our economy down uh, when no other time in history this has ever happened? I don't know. But I know He does. I know that He's the creator of all of this. I know that He has all authority in heaven and in earth and that He's still sitting on the throne tonight and He is still in complete control. He is the one that's in charge. And I know at the end of this that He created this for His good pleasure and He is worthy to be praised. Sometimes we've got to look at the why questions and we've just got to shake our heads and say, you know what? It's not up to me. My job is to worship Him and to tell others how they can too become worshipers of Him. We struggle with the the thoughts about fairness. It's not fair. You know, it's, it's, it's not fair that we've had to pack and unpack three different times. If I want to, I can have a pretty good pity party. I can sit back and pout with the best of them. It's not fair that we're not going back to work with our my, my best friends in the world in South Africa. You know what? That's not up to me. Because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And all authority, all power is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. And regardless of what He wants to do with my life, He alone is worthy. It's not fair. When the doctor looks at your wife and says, we can't operate on her unless we kill her, she's going to have to live with that pain. It's not fair when a man that faithfully served for over 30 years in the sound booth dies and leaves a massive gaping hole back there in the back. You want to know something? It's not fair when you're 30 years old getting ready to leave for South Africa and you've got to preach your dad's funeral. Leave your widowed mom here to live by herself. It's not fair when you've got to come back from South Africa because your sister has died long before it was even time. You know, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair when Abel gave a more perfect sacrifice and his brother got jealous and killed him over it. It wasn't fair when Joseph had a dream and he told this dream to his family and his brothers took him and threw him in a pit and then sold him into slavery. It wasn't fair when he rose up into prominence in Potiphar's house and he was in charge of everything that he had, all of his affairs. And because of some wicked woman, uh, he uh, left his garment in her hands uh, when he did the right thing by getting out of her presence and then she lied about him, falsely accused him and he was thrown into prison only to be forgotten. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair when... When he rose up to prominence in Egypt again and was put in charge of all of Pharaoh's affairs and in a time of turmoil and a time of famine was put in charge and he has his brothers that come to him for aid and help and he has a moment where he could have enacted vengeance against them but he, he looked at them and he said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Was it fair when David was anointed to be king and immediately sent back to his sheep? Attend to them. 
It wasn't fair that in the private of his own life that he, he with his bare hands, killed a lion and a bear and came before the giant when it was time and uh, everybody else was afraid and nobody else wanted to stand up against this Philistine and David's own brother turned against him and said, you've only come to see a battle, why don't you go back to your few sheep? It wasn't fair that they mocked him and laughed at him. But he looks at that giant and he says, this day the Lord hath delivered you into my hands. It wasn't fair when he rose up in a prominence in Saul's court and then had to run for his life because of a jealous king. Was it fair when Job, who was a righteous man, had to be put in a test tube because the devil wanted to show God that if he took everything away from him, all of his blessings away, that he would curse him. It wasn't fair that he lost everything that he had and everything that he loved because he simply followed God. It wasn't fair that his wife came to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? And his, all of his friends came and gave him this terrible advice and said, it's your fault. And I like what he said to him. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Was it fair when they took the sinless Son of God who had performed these miracles, who had healed the blind, made the lame to walk, caused the deaf to, see, to hear and the dumb to speak? It wasn't fair that they took Him and they stripped Him before all of mankind. They plucked the beard from his face. They put a crown of thorns upon his brow. It wasn't fair that they nailed him to a cross and for hours in agony and pain and torture he suffered and he bled and he died for no other reason that, from, that other than your sin. It wasn't fair. That Jesus Christ gave His life for something that I did. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and power and glory. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You want to talk about fair? There's not a whole lot of fair that you and I get to deal with. But He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our obedience. He alone is worthy because He spoke and it was so. A friend of mine who grew up on the mission field was sharing this story with me. He was in West Africa and he said that his dad had somehow created a, uh, made a relationship with this tribal chief that no other missionaries had had access to. Well, this chief died, and so they 
invited his dad to come to this village in order to say a few words for this chief's funeral. As a young boy, 12 or 13, he got to go with his mom and his dad out to this remote village there in the Ivory Coast. And they were sitting there and they were partaking of this banquet and they had fixed uh, this, this meat and uh, some rice and a few other vegetables. And they were sitting there. He had been so hungry. He had been there all day and his dad leaned down to him and he said, Son, do not eat the meat. He didn't understand why he couldn't eat the meat. He was hungry. He, he just he, he wanted to eat something. And he, he went to take a bite and his dad stopped him. He says, do not eat the meat. He looked over at his mom and she was eating the rice and the vegetables, but she wasn't touching the meat. And Finally, his dad reached over to his wife's plate and took the meat off of her plate. And he reached over to his son's plate and he took the meat off of his plate and and Jason was saying, I, I just don't understand why I couldn't eat the meat. But later that night, I found out why. You see, the meat was spoiled from sitting in the sun all day. It was beginning to rot. And for the next 12 hours, his dad was sick to his stomach, terrible cramps and pain, vomiting all, everything that you can imagine with eating that raw and nasty, rotten meat. That next morning, his dad, weak from not having any sleep, not able to hold anything down, he got to stand before the people of that village and he began to preach, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And man messed it up and became sinners. But God's promise to man that through the woman's seed He would bring forth this Messiah and He will redeem you and He'll pay that sin that you owed. And through the blood of Jesus Christ you can be reconciled to God who spoke all of this into existence. And as a result of that man taking upon himself the, uh, the obligation uh, to eat that rotten meat, he was able to stand and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people that had never heard. Why? Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And all power is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. And he said, go ye therefore. And tonight, he is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. Hey, he's worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our obedience. Because all things were created by him. And for His pleasure they were and are created. Why is it that we have to face hardships? You know, I don't really have the answer to that other than the fact that He is worthy. Of all the apostles, Paul was shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten. He paid some sacrifices. But over in Philippians chapter 1, he says, All of the things that happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. In the beginning, God created everything that you see, everything that you know, everything that's familiar to you. 
He has all power and authority to dictate exactly what He does with His creation. And He alone is worthy. Regardless of what it is, He can take our big mess and He can work it out to the good of them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Tonight in your life, with whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're dealing with, can we just sit back and remember, He is worthy. Father, we love You. Lord, we love this church. God, I pray, Lord, that You'd comfort hearts tonight. Lord, the ones that are struggling, the ones that are facing hardship. Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but Lord, I know that You do. And I just pray, God, that You would bring peace to their hearts that passes all understanding. Lord, we don't have to have all the answers, but we can trust in the fact that You do and that You can look through the corridors of time and know what the end result is. And through it all, You will receive honor and power and glory. And tonight, Lord, can we sit back and just give You the praise that You are worthy of. We love You. And ask this all in Jesus' name.